We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One-two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! Cruising for a Bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, I don't know if you know this, but our podcast network is quite extensive these days. We're right here twice a week on Cruising for a Bruising. Ty Windish and Rowan Cotty host the Eurostep. You and Jordan Tresky host the Winning Six podcast. We even just launched a pop culture podcast featuring potentially anyone called make time for this but there's one more that we have to mention and i mention it because a gentleman joining us on the other line the host of gsbn's new green bay packers podcast talk of the tundra joining us you know him from the discord you know him from twitter you know him from talk of the tundra now he was even on the euro step this week he's everywhere welcome to cruising for a bruising Numak. Thanks for having me, uh, Andrew and Adam. I appreciate it. I can't wait to talk about this wonderful roller coaster of a series that we had versus the Pirates and uh, maybe even expound a little bit on, uh, on an apple that was somehow left out of the 100th millionth uh, fan giveaway. We're, we're going to make an apple pie out of this series if we have to. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you, Numak, in a moment. But first of all, Adam, how you doing? It feels like I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, we just finished another podcast five minutes ago. So when you're like, hey, Adam, do you know that our network is extensive? It's like, yeah, like our lives, Andrew, our shared lives now, which is really what it is. It's just one long podcast. So I'm aware of it. 
having a great time. Hope people are listening. But I'm I'm most excited because really all the other stuff is stuff we've been doing one way or another. What we haven't been doing is a Packers podcast, so I'm very excited to have Newmark on. We'll talk to you about all things Brewers because I know the Brewers are very, very important to you. You know a lot about the Brewers. <laughs> you have been incredibly, uh, I would say, important and influential behind the scenes in this podcast as one of the people who uh, we would kind of chop it up with before episodes, after episodes, on playback throughout the season. So as Andrew and I get to know this team, your influence, for better or worse, has probably factored into what this podcast has become. Yeah, Before a pro-bunting into... podcast. Pro-bunting. Yeah, well, that's, that's, we draw a line somewhere. And <laughs> that is, fortunately, I will say, where we drew the line on that matter. But before we get into all things Brewers with you, tell the people about Talk of the Tundra. Tell them about what's going on, what they can expect if they're looking for somewhere to tune in, get their fix for all things Packers, as the regular season now is very much upon us. Preseason's done. Final roster cuts essentially done. So let people know where things are with Talk to Tundra. We are three episodes in. We just uh, dropped a uh, cut day podcast Wednesday morning. So you're probably listening to this Thursday on your way to work. So go check that out. It's now officially out of date with Micah Abernathy being cut from the 53-man roster and uh, subsequently, I believe, signed to the practice squad. So uh, out of date, but still a good listen to to get some of our analysis on those cuts. And we got another one coming up at the end of this week, hopefully with uh, over-unders for AFC NFC folk uh, teams. Me and Ty have a have a beef for the, the Bengals, which is a exclusive tease for here. So, mm. um, But going forward throughout the season, we're going to be covering all things, obviously, Packers, as they hope to bring another uh, trophy to Teletown. And we'll be dropping after game days, so typically Mondays, um, Monday mornings, and then a preview pod for the Sunday games dropping uh, Friday mornings. So. You can find everything you need Green Bay Packers related uh, over on the Talk of the Tundra feed. I'm excited. I've been listening. Uh, You and Ty so far have been on it, obviously. You know, going into this baseball podcast, I was a man without a home. I was like Tom Cruise and Castaway trying to to go into the ocean with just Wilson at my side. And it's turned me into full on Milwaukee Brewers through and through. I live and die with this team. You know, when it comes to football, I'm not that. I'm a Carolina Panthers guy, uh, all in on the Baker Mayfield renaissance season and how that goes. But I love getting to get my Packers knowledge uh, from you and Ty and eventually some of the other guys on the network. Maybe at some point, you know, I get called up uh, from the minor leagues to give perspective on how good Packers fans have it as I you talk to me and maybe my team's like three and nine. So welcome to the network. Uh, Thank you. Through, through and through Wisconsin, unlike me, who is a converted North Carolinian to full right. brew. Not to uh, go ahead, Adam. I well, I was going to say, of course, I'm also, you know, true and true Wisconsin. Um, right. At this point, I, I don't think anyone argues with that, but I, I need to go back to that analogy yep, there. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Am I Wilson? Is that? Is that what happened there? Is is one, Adam Wilson, is and two, did I miss when Tom Cruise starred in Castaway? No, that also. That's, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm known to have verbal typos on this podcast. My brain thinks one thing and it says a complete (laughs) other. Uh, Adam, you're Helen Hunt. How about that? 
let's move eventually, on. Let's, let's talk about baseball. <laughs> No, uh, I'll the, talk the, about... the Milwaukee Brewers, right? <laughs> An important team to you. Um, yes. Your fandom, I mean, this is a team that in Talk To You, it seems like you've been pretty locked in on over the years. A yeah. team that, uh, unfortunately, I guess you <laughs> you feel deeply about and they give you plenty, plenty to feel. So how are you feeling right now? Where are you at on the current state of the Milwaukee Brewers? There are certainly better times of the season. We could have had yeah. you on for this. Yeah. But how are you doing with it all? Uh I'm trending upwards, but I'm still not getting my hopes up. Like, how do I put this, I guess, succinctly? Ever since the downward spiral of the hater trade, I've kind of like checked out of really thinking this team had any sort of shot in the postseason. And I think it's really what happens when you dedicate yourself to watching 162 games of baseball. You you get lost in the single game results, which is a great way to drive yourself crazy. And so I've been trying to not so much care about it as much, but man, this team makes it so hard to not care when they uh when they flub. Like we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I was at the game on uh on Tuesday, and it was the the vibes were horrendous. <laughs> so you were you uh, were the one hundred millionth fan. That's canon. Right? That's can, can, that's can, canon. Confirm that. That's canon. I miss that. Did they actually? Did they pick someone out? Highlight someone as that? So if, no. it may well be you. We're gonna like, we're just running no. with that from now on. It is. Like I said, it's canon. So what are you gonna do with your six dollars? Have you thought about it? Uh, I'm debating getting a nice, lukewarm bottled water. Okay, not apple juice. Sand. Or I heard there's churro or puppy chow for the same price of uh, five of five thirty nine, not counting tax. So can I can I roll that additional sixty one cents into into a future purchase? Do we know about that? Wonderful question. I don't think. Uh, I think Marky Mark and the Brewers Bunch uh, take that extra 41 cents and roll it into a slush fund of sorts, but we'll see. <laughs> to be determined at a future to... investigative pod. Yeah, uh, not us. So yeah, just just has... while we, before we get into real stuff, just because I heard Mark and the Brewers, and it's obviously been a big week for Mark and Brewers stuff. Uh, the, the only thing that's bothering me <laughs> here is that not enough people have taken this as just like everyone's gone to a place that seems very logical. Well, this is a message of a desperate fan who just wants Mark Adonazio to, you know, fix the team, to spend some money to stop saving his pennies. We could still make this work. We don't have to throw this friendship away, Mark. Right. Like, no, no one seems to be giving this enough consideration. Everyone's having fun laughing at it. This is like a an Andrew Snyder-esque figures, you know, plea for help. You know, don't don't have me have to abandon it this team because of you mark i think that's getting into uh getting into a bit of a conspiracy theory i think what happened was is the first one might have been real oh like, for sure for sure like, the follow might have sense. been real yes the 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 the, the jenny uh eight six seven five three or nine sure. numbers was was fake but uh, like initially 
you like you have, have you, to have say, you tried you, that number are you saying categorically it's fake no but <laughs> you have to think i would have to hope i wish there was video you could see the exasperation on my face they the the brewers have to screen those right they have to yeah of course and so the idea that they let that through it's actually it's brewers you... foundation right it's not even yeah left. you have you have to provide a donation to do that, right? Do we right. know what the price level of that is? I don't know. No, I, I have no idea. Like, you can talk amongst yourself. I can try and Google it quick, but regardless <laughs> it, of mean, it all, it, it, like you have to uh, like imagine that the there has to be a screening process, and like the, I, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm, are you I, I'm inside job? Maybe maybe an inside job. I don't know, but it's scoreboard messages here. We'll see. I don't know if there's a a hundred dollars for for you can receive a single line shared scoreboard message up to thirty five characters. A full scoreboard message. So if you really want to put that dude in the friend zone, is two fifty. So, like using GSPN as an example, we've got how many podcast hosts is it now? Six. So we could yeah. pull our money to get pull up pull our money together and that's you know no sweat off our backs so i can right. see you know all right guys mark is just uh mark's getting <laughs> to be a little much can you chip <laughs> in for this scoreboard message or any number of just upset brewers fans who are like yeah i want to pull this joke off so right. there's a lot of options there. Do I want to buy one when I'm in town that says, why do you do this to me? I'm losing my mind. Probably not, but it crossed my mind at that price range. Well, yeah, the, why not, right? The whole thing is it's dead now. Like if you let one slip through the cracks, that's as I think you're right in speculating, then you get people who are going to come up with ideas to counter to that. and They're going to be fake. And if they weren't screening before, I guarantee they're going to have to screen now because they're going to get a lot yeah. of press. Anyway, what a weird start to this episode. Uh, I, I This is, it's you know, it's not quite what I was worried about at the prospect of the two of you being on a podcast <laughs> together. We're still doing pretty well. But well, Andrew, we'll get there. We'll get you there. Were, you were going to steer us, I think, onto the actual baseball. So I'll let you do that. Yeah, I can do that, which is, you know, rare for me to be the person pulling everything back onto the tracks uh the andrew and Numak spinoff podcast coming in 2023 those will be the ones that really get off the rails they're coming to an ex explicit uh podcast channel near you exactly subscription only <laughs> i think there's explicit. different services for that yeah so let's just keep yeah, it moving there are tears uh literal so, and figurative yes so much crying the uh <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The the Brewers were coming off a, a series win against the Chicago Cubs, albeit one that probably should have been a sweep, as we talked about on the last podcast. Adam came into a three-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a game and a half back of the Padres, four games back of the Phillies. And, you know, as we've recounted many times, they don't own a tiebreaker with either of these teams, so they got to outright pass them. So these games against teams below them in the standings, we'll just say it, bad teams are more important than ever. It's to the point where you need to pile up sweeps, not just series wins. Otherwise, you just further take the destiny out of your own hands. And coming into this series against the Pirates, we were looking for a sweep. Game one, the vibes were high going into it because you get a Corbin Burns start looking to bounce back from a tough outing against the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, I believe it was, which was his tough outing. And Burns didn't have it. Uh, started off great for the crew. Third inning, they get the, the scoring started. Willie Adamas single to score Christian, or excuse me, to sc- score Garrett Mitchell, who is the uh, call-up that we've all just fallen in love with over at GSBN and in the Discord. Adam, did you have a comment on Garrett Mitchell? He's the most handsome man in Milwaukee. Wow, well, hold and on. I am a Milwaukee resident. All right, let's just chill out here. The second most <laughs> handsome man in Milwaukee. Uh, I'm sorry, so, I'm going uh, Garrett Mitchell. <laughs> Adamus, the single off of Bryce Wilson scores. Mitchell, Hunter Renfro doubles to make it 3 nothing. Three innings into this baseball game, the Brewers are up three to nothing we've gotten to see uh garrett mitchell uh draw a walk and then have kind of a funky stolen base if i believe this was this game where he he basically got picked off but he's just so fast doesn't matter swipes the base ends up scoring on the adamas single we are a garrett mitchell stand podcast at this point uh and hope to be moving forward things would get away from corbin burns in the fifth inning uh, a single from uh, Delay, who I think should name his child Rain if he has a child. Be a great idea. And then the guy that uh, torments me in every series that he plays the Brewers, someone whose game I really respect and someone who does not play well in most series, someone that seems to reserve most of his damage for the Milwaukee Brewers, O'Neill Cruz, hits a homer, uh, to right field absolutely crushes it 437 feet to make it four three pirates from that point and then in the sixth inning rodolfo castro answers with a homer of his own not a great outing from burns a six innings pitch eight hits five runs all of them earned a walk and five strikeouts two homers allowed one to cruise one to castro and uh honestly can say that's not what we expected going into this game and to your point Numak, i know you weren't in the building for this game but Post six inning, the vibes the vibes were a little tough after starting so high. Yeah, uh, Burns having back to back lackluster 
starts is exactly what the Brewers don't need. Like up and down the Brewers roster outside of I'll say Devin Williams because he hasn't really been awful late. Like obviously earlier in the season, he was loving to get bases loaded and then get himself out of it. But outside of of Corbin and and Devin, there really isn't a lot of elite talent on this roster. And for a reigning Cy Young award winner to just be okay and be giving up all these runs when the Brewers need him to be the Cy Young award Cy Young award winner he is is disheartening. It's I don't want to say worrisome because hopefully it's just a little rough patch that he's going to get through. But the Dodgers I can understand. The Pirates, I can't. Something that also contributed to the vibes being poor at this point in the game, on Hunter Renfro's double in the third that scored two runs, Rowdy Tellez would exit the game with right knee discomfort, something that was definitely concerning, although it seems to have just been a scare, and he was back in the lineup for the series finale today. But we did not want to see that, did we, Adam? No, absolutely not. I might have just quit right there if if anything had happened to Rowdy. Um I think the way Craig put it is that he scared himself. And even in watching back scenes, you can see that like he doesn't pause for a moment. He essentially, he goes from second to home and he just keeps on running and he gets out of there. He's not high five and he's like, obviously pretty concerned about it. So it's great that that is apparently proved to be nothing. That is certainly reassuring. Um, But yeah, overall this game is, a reflection of a lot of stuff that is not so great right now, and the outcome is one thing, but I think the process is part of how they're finding themselves in a lot of games. Agree completely with Numak and Corbin Burns. Okay, he goes six, um, but it's pretty loose, giving up quite a lot, and we have seen a not-great start from recently. We'll talk about some other starts that are just shorter for starters. At this point in the season, it feels like you need to see more guys going seven, giving you seven. If you get more than that, even better. It's something we've given Eric Lauer a lot of praise for in recent weeks. He's had one bad start of his own thrown into the mix recently. But Eric Lauer, even Brandon Woodruff, are guys who it just seems like they're more reliable right now in terms of getting deep in the game and sparing the bullpen a little bit. Because we talk so much about the bullpen, and right now the stars are not helping them out. They're giving them more work. They're stretching them out more and more, and it's not leading to good things for the Brewers. We would get a good relief performance from Brent Suter in this game, uh, following Burns' two innings pitch, two hits, a walk, but two strikeouts and didn't allow a run. We also uh, got some great meme potential from Brent Suter and Craig Council as uh, – uh, Council was trying to explain to the bullpen after the bullpen phone went down who he was trying to bring into the game. And what is the best way to describe this motion that he did? Okay, that's what I thought. It's but the then Raptor. it also, yeah, Raptor. okay, that's that's what I assumed. And I also thought it was kind of amazing uh, that it was immediately recognized across a baseball outfield. Like, I know it's like his thing, but also Craig just Council like, oh. doing that and it being just immediately, he's saying, bring me the Raptor is the best thing ever. It's maybe it, the best Craig Council moment of the season. Uh, the best decision he's made, one could say. I mean, probably not everyone, but I'm going to say it. Best decision he's made is to be like, how am I going to communicate this? I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to do the Raptor. Just truly incredible. A beautiful yeah. moment. 
that now we can meme forever with Craig. We can meme Brent Suter in the postgame uh, scrum afterwards. Just uh, a great moment in the midst of uh, conflict and just stress. But the stress would not last forever with Omar Narvaez on base in the eighth inning. I believe there were two outs when this occurred. Garrett Mitchell, a man already so right loved now. so hot right now, much so like Hansel. Right uh, he listens to Sting's music, or no, he respects Sting a lot. Doesn't really listen to his music, but he, you know, he appreciates that he's out there and he's doing it. Um, hits a homer to right center, scores himself in Omar Narvaez, puts the team back level with the Pirates, 5-5 five, five after 8. Devin Williams comes in and walks one, strikes out two to throw up a scoreless ninth inning. And then uh, with Willie, on, Willie Adamas on base, I almost said Willie on base Adamas, which is, uh, you know, that's that's Jace's moniker. That's I'm Jace, sorry. yeah. Uh, Keston Hira definitely comes to the not plate. Willie. Definitely not Willie. Uh, Keston Hira comes to the plate after having to replace Rowdy Telez at first base after the injury and sends a ball that just barely gets over the left field wall. I think it was quite as short as Nico Horner's homer for the Cubs that I referenced uh, last weekend. But Keston Hira wins the game, walk-off homer. He is uh, familiar with the walk-off homer. He also had one against the Braves earlier in the season. But a game where the process was stressful, didn't go well, some things that uh, – definitely scary and that might be a bad omen of things to come but the team found a way to win and a lot that largely comes down to Garrett Mitchell and Kessin Hira coming through in big moments uh, just to circle back to Brent Suter for a second uh, Brent Suter 4-0 with a 104 ERA and 14 appearances since the all-star break he has been absolutely brilliant and you consider he was in the wilderness <laughs> for the, the first half of the season that's a, that's a pretty big deal yeah. um so him showing up like that and this is one of those games where uh, i mean i think in spite of that uh production from him lately it still feels like when craig calls the suitor there's an element of uh, we may not win this game and good game management you stay there you get your chance and then in a rare moment the offense actually shows up and delivers for him uh, hot tip to Keston, who really likes the big moments. If nothing else, you can you can rely on Keston to you know showcase his flair for the dramatic. And just to circle back to Garrett Mitchell, everything about this game from Garrett Mitchell was really cool. All his family in the stands. Um, something that it did seem like in the players after it seemed to be really up, have a lot of energy, um, and we're talking about it as a potential, you know. I don't know, swing moment for the remainder of their season where it's going to be, okay, we'll look back on this and this is the turning point. I think we can already say that that was maybe a premature declaration by the Brewers. There's other things you might want to do if you're going to do that, but I was just really impressed with the kind of the variety we saw for him. Um, the play discipline to get a walk, the stolen base showcasing his speed, and then to come up with a massive homer in a crunch situation late in the game it's like if he doesn't deliver there nothing else likely has a has a chance to matter and that's very very impressive and considering we've been crying out for any kind of help at center field for quite a while now and the outfield generally for him to come up and as we touched on the last episode as something of the the least heralded of the prospects that we're kind of keeping an eye on and produce that's very exciting 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that might have been one of the cooler moments of the season, just knowing how fresh he was in his MLB career and to have that moment at home in front of his family. Like the uh, the broadcast couldn't keep the camera off his family. His dad just sobbing on regional regional television <laughs> and uh, getting uh, circulated on Twitter and such. But no, it, it was so cool. It gave me shades of a reminder of the intro to this podcast when Ryan Braun hit that really big home run. I think that was against the Cardinals um, late in the season. Either Cardinals or the Pirates, one of the two, back in so so long ago, early 2010s. But uh, just really special. Really special overall. And for Keston to come through and secure the win in typical Keston fashion, just home run that he absolutely laced. And I'm not going to say bounced over the wall because obviously it went out, but bounced on the wall to get out. So it was a special game for game one of the series. Yes, it was fun way to win it. Um, I wish you had been in the ballpark for that game, Newmock, but you were not. You were in the ballpark the very next day. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason, Jason Alexander taking on Mitch Keller. Alexander comes into the rotation for Adrian Hauser, who uh, has been scaled back a bit, available out of the bullpen, as we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, so Alexander stepping into a spot he stepped into quite a bit this season, which is uh, somebody's out of the rotation, go make a start and make a start. He did uh, five innings pitch, three hits, just the one earned run, a walk and a career high six strikeouts. The run came via, you guessed it, an O'Neill Cruz uh, single in the third inning, which uh, scored the lone run he would allow to, put the Pirates up one nothing in the third. Alexander would pitch his way out of that inning, eventually getting a comebacker back to him where he would go to home and then to first for a double play to get out of the inning. The Brewers would answer in the bottom of the fourth. Colton Wong hits a two-run homer, continues his hot streak to put the Brewers up 2-1. to one. Uh, Replacing Alexander after five innings, Hobie Milner fires a scoreless inning, walks one, strikes out a pair. And then another late lead would get away from the Brewers in the seventh. Matt Bush on to pitch, allows a solo homer to make it two to two. And then in the eighth with Brad Boxberger on the mound, things would really get away from the Brewers. Uh, Rodolfo Castro would walk home a run with the bases loaded to make it three to Pirates in the top of the eighth inning. Boxberger just didn't have it, and he didn't have it because he didn't have his command the one inning pitch he would eventually get out of the inning a uh, hit the earned run and three walks just did not have his command at all in that inning uh, another instance of the brewers having a late lead against a bad team and it just slipping away yeah and, and it was uh go ahead Andrew. oh in the ninth inning o'neill cruz again would have an rbi double to make it uh four to two off of peter streslecki but uh, once the game got away from them in the eighth, it, it felt like it was done, even though we had just seen some late heroics um, the night before. But when the lead was extended to 4-2, that, that really did it in. And just, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk around the deadline about turning the bullpen into a strength. And it's just, uh, it seems hit or miss right now. Yeah, it's definitely hit or miss. Box not having it. I want to say field the game. But it definitely didn't help his. It didn't help the team. Obviously, that's pretty pretty surface level analysis. But ultimately, it comes down to uh, the Brewers just not cashing in yeah. on on opportunities. 
<clears throat> excuse me. One but, for six with, run, with runners in scoring position. Uh, five yeah. runners left on base. Just when you're leaving the margins that thin, like you ask a lot of the back end of your bullpen, and they've been, you know, a little up and down lately. Yeah, it was definitely a Tuesday night crowd at AmFam. Like it was uh, early September or late August, school's back weeknight at uh, at AmFam. So it was. I think the big board said like 24,000-ish fans. And after uh, Fox kind of let the, the wheels fall off, it was quiet in there. You could you could hear a, a pin drop. <laughs> so ultimately, not a great showing for Box and the offense. But uh, I think Ty said in the Discord that, yeah, I think he even tweeted out too, why are we even pitching to O'Neill Cruz? It's how he beats the Brewers all season despite being a 200 average hitter is beyond me but i'm scared of that man he's in my yeah, nightmares i think going into this series he his ops plus and his wrc plus were like 15 to 20 points below like what you would have as an average player but when when he sees the brewers uh something goes very very right for him so i, I was hoping they would just roll the ball in the dirt and and just give him his base at a certain point. I, I think the thing with that, like we've talked about him all season, obviously because he's been killing the Brewers, but we've talked to him as someone who just looks like he's going to be an absolute kind of massive deal in the league at large. He's just super raw. That's the thing. I mean, the hardest hit in the history of uh, Major League Baseball he got a couple of weeks ago. He does just absolutely insane stuff. Like as an athlete, he is completely off the charts. He is so much fun. Like, I don't know if there's a whole lot that's fun from a Pirates perspective, if you're a Pirates fan, but getting to watch him um, for even like the ups and the downs, and we will get to some of the downs that eventually come to help out the Brewers, I think would be a lot of fun because he's he's got all the pieces. And it's like, if this guy actually puts it together, he's not just going to be a Brewer killer anymore. He's just going to beat up on every team around the league. Right. And I, I said that... It- the air was out of the balloon and it felt like the Brewers weren't in this game, but they were in the ninth Colton Wong doubles casting here as singles. Uh, uh, Andrew McCutcheon flies out and then Rowdy Tellez is on the, in the on deck circle with Luis Arias at the plate. Arias hits not a scalded ground ball to second base. One that the second baseman has to range over a bit to, and then pivot turn and throw to shortstop and maybe any other shortstop, except for O'Neill Cruz does not have enough gas on that baseball to turn that double play, but he's there and he does. And it ends the game and Rowdy Tellez does not get to hit. So despite him being raw and new to MLB and having some adjustment period that he'll need to sort some things out when it's, when everything comes together, it is a sight to see. And uh, unfortunately the Brewers uh, came at their expense and Numox expense in person on Tuesday. I might um, take a little bit of an L for that one. I uh, just a little I bit. I was, yep, a little bit because the whole game, he wasn't really like the ball wasn't getting hit to him, like because we didn't really have an offense much at all. And I was like, man, like I really wish I could like have the opportunity to see him kind of like do his thing because he's that special of a player and I like watching his game because it's exciting. You like seeing big star players like that. 
and then he did his big star player things to end the game. So I I'll take fault for uh I'll take half fault for that that loss uh Tuesday night. Wow, what a big night! You were the hundred millionth, one hundred millionth fan at a Brewers game, which we, let's we won't dive too much into those numbers because there's a lot of I'm I've got suspicions on some of that, but hey, it's a good giveaway and I get some good publicity. So you were that, and you were also the reason the Brewers lost. So it's I, quite well, quite a big night. We won't argue about the good giveaway. It'll be, it'll be too long of a podcast to get into the uh, <laughs> the nuances of a good giveaway. No, we haven't quite reached winning six levels of let's talk about the cluckery yet. I feel like that's probably an off-season thing we'll do. We'll just review all of the various Brewers giveaways. Um, the one other thing on this, though, just is to go through your first six innings of the game with just one run allowed from Jason Alexander and Hobie. It just it sucks to lose that game. Like, it sucks. You... It's We've seen this so often this year. We just The Brewers can't get run support. When they have good outings out of non-Corbin Burns starting pitchers, and it comes to bite them, and it's the theme of the season, especially against teams like the Pirates. There was another game to play in this series. That's what happens when you play three-game series. You have to play that third game. <laughs> this one in the afternoon, businessman special. The Brewers have to get to Arizona. Got to get this one out of the way early. Freddie Peralta on the mound. He who most recently was much discussed because of being removed uh, after six innings of work with a no-hitter intact. He returns to the mound to face off against Zach Thompson. And we're going to talk about Freddie Peralta to start here uh, because most of the scoring didn't come until after he was out of the baseball game. He allowed one run on a home run to Ben Gamble. Uh, Freddie ends up going five innings. Just two hits, just the one run on the homer, no walks, only three strikeouts, um, 74 pitches. His fastball velocity uh, has been down in a few starts here and there since he returned from the IL. That was the case again today. So he fought through it and really didn't allow much damage at all, not a lot of traffic at all, only the one homer and kept the Brewers in this baseball game. But his velocity is something to monitor going forward. Is it an issue of ramping back up and fatigue being an issue, being an issue? Is there something still off with the shoulder? That's something that time will tell, but it's concerning and also something just to keep an eye on. I think it's very concerning, honestly, at the point in the season we're at with the stakes of the games. It's like if they feel there's any issue there and they're trying to manage something, it's now is not the time. So it's going to come back to bite you again this is the time of the season where you need guys. And honestly, you look at how the division, the division race is flipped. We talked about it with the most recent series with the Cardinals. What was telling about that was the Cardinals were having their pitchers go seven, eight, and even very close to nine where, where it fell apart. But that's basically how things have ramped up for them. And their, their record has just soared with it. They've just kind of tore it off into the sunset away from the Brewers because while they're getting that out of starters, the Brewers are in a situation where it feels like we're getting five a lot and there are occasions where we don't even get five out of starters. So that's that's a concern when Freddie is clearly pitching really well and we're now on, you know, back-to-back starts where pitch count is down from the previous outing. And if that is the trend that continues again, um, that's a major issue. Like, it can't get much lower without him having bad games 
if if you're pulling him because his stuff isn't working, he doesn't have it. Like this, this wasn't as usual. The velocity being down, we're not seeing strikeouts like you usually see from him. But at the same time, he was kind of pitching his way around it, pitching his way through it. He was doing a very serviceable job, and it works out in the end. But ultimately, if he is fully healthy, if you're not concerned about something else, if you're taking him out of the game and you're bringing a bullpen arm in, like. The night before is proof of it. We're in theory now going to Matt Bush and going to Boxberger and being like, okay, you're our, you're two of our more trusted guys, the back end of the bullpen. We're going to give you a lead. We're going to give the ball to you in a good situation. And you're going to make sure we don't give it up. It doesn't work like that. You know, There's a very good chance that one out of every three, four games, they will give it up. So the longer you can go with your starters for me, at this point in the season, the better. And the Brewers are trending in the opposite direction with most guys, whether it's potentially for health or for some others, if it's performance. To touch on uh, Freddie's velo being down and just not having it these last two starts, uh, Adam Kelby tweeted after the game today that since uh, Freddie's return from the injured list, his pitch count has, was 67, 65, 92, 95, 82, 74. I don't like that parabola. It's concerning to say the least and um his velo is was down two and a half miles an hour on his fastball uh two and a half on his curveball and two on his slider changeup was only about one but i think where it does matter a lot is his spin rate uh changeup was down 106 uh revolutions a minute which is significant when you're coming back from an injury he should be wrapping up not down and that's going to be something to keep an eye on as we look to make this playoff push. Whether he's shown it or not this season, given his injury, he is an ace-level starter for this team when he's healthy, when he's right. And the Brewers need him and need Corbin and need Woody to be that level of starter each game they pitch from now until October 2nd to finish out this playoff push. And the, there yeah, is a quote from Adam McAlvey, too, just to follow up on that post-game, um, or a quote from Craig Council to Adam McAlvey, which is, I think we're just talking to Freddie, we're reading what's going on out there, and we're making decisions, um, which Council then later says he was down velocity today. There's no question about it, but that's what I loved about how he pitched. I think he really made pitches today. He still had it in the tank a little bit. He just didn't get to points in the game where he needed it, which to me is contradictory um he yeah he didn't get the points of the game where he needed it because you pulled him because <laughs> you're getting less and less comfortable um with his pitch count going up each time and we're talking about extended outings i mean his extended outings were a little while ago now we're going back two to three games ago when it things were still trending upwards in that regard so i don't i don't know like they're not making the wrong decisions there to be cautious when they're seeing things in the numbers that are not exactly how you'd like to be. Ultimately, the problem there is Ashby's out right now. I honestly don't know what's going on with Hauser. We'll get to him in a second in this game, but the spot where he's coming back and where we're now looking at him, you're using Jason Alexander in a spot start, but yeah, even with him having a pretty good game, he's going five. It's just really tough. <laughs> This is a team that has to win with their pitching, and their pitching is not actually coming out on top just in the pitching battles of games, game to game now. And then we're all left complaining about the offense, but the reality is the roster was not built for that. 
The roster yeah. was built to win with pitching, and we blame the offense. Most of those guys are kind of doing what they do. It doesn't make it less frustrating, but the failure of the team at the moment, and if this ends up being a season without playoff baseball, it's going to be on. They didn't get the performance for a variety of factors, health included, out of pitching that they expected were betting on going into the season. And that just comes down to the conversation we have all the time about roster construction and how this team is built. And mm-hmm. it's not built to necessarily overcome uh, bad starting pitching. Funnily enough, one of the games that they won in the series was that exact outcome because you can't predict baseball. Also, an, an interesting thing is Freddie was removed after probably the inning where he looked the best. He goes strikeout, swinging, uh, runner reaches because of a Willie Domus throwing error, and then strikeout, swinging, strikeout, looking, and then that's when he's removed. So interesting tidbit there. Uh, the Brewers would answer back uh, Tyrone Taylor after an Omar Narvaez ground out walks. We had two Tyrone Taylor walks in this game, something of note. Um, and then after a Christian Yelich fielder's choice that would leave uh, Tyrone Taylor safe at second and Christian Yelich safe at first due to the error, Willie Adamas doubles to right center, kind of a blue double in the gap. Scores Taylor. Yelich makes it all the way to third. Uh, Yelich would not end up scoring, but it, they answer and tie the game there. Willie Adamas coming through after the O'Neill Cruz error. And uh, then in the sixth inning, they would again play some more small ball and get things going. Omar Narvaez with Kesson here on third. Scalds a ground ball to a drawn-in infield. Uh, Keston was running on contact. Kevin Newman has a slight bobble of the ball. Doesn't even look to throw home after that. Gets the out at first and Hero scores. And then in the seventh, uh, things would really stretch out. Uh, Keston Hero, RBI single to score. Hunter Renfro makes it 3-1. Luis Arias single makes it 4-1. And then Garrett Mitchell and Christian Yelich both draw bases loaded walks to make it 5-1 and 6-1 respectively. After Peralta's exit, Taylor Rogers provides an inning and a third of scoreless baseball. Uh, he has been quietly very good since uh, his bad outing in St. Louis. Hasn't allowed an earned run in eight straight appearances. Seven and two-thirds innings pitch, no earned runs, three hits, one walk, ten strikeouts in that stretch, uh, per a tweet from Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal. Sentinel, uh, the Brewers have a 6-1 lead at that point after – uh, the walk palooza is what we're calling it. Uh, and then, so before that, Brad Boxberger had done well and bounced back uh, with an inherited runner on second after Rodgers exited the game after a infield single and error by Colton Wong. Brad Boxberger fires two strikes out, strikeouts to get out of the inning. And then after he is staked to the 6-1 lead, Adrian Hauser comes in in relief, two innings pitch, one hit, two strikeouts to end the game. Uh yeah, that seventh inning where command got away from the Pirates' bullpen was really what put this game out of reach. The Brewers manufacturing runs, no run scored via a home run, which feels like it's rare for this team. Uh, obvious concerns, obvious bright spots. Two out of three series win against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Needed the sweep, um, but did get the two out of three, but really needed the sweep. On, on Hauser, what do we think? what do we think we're building to? That's a great question. Uh, Adrian Hauser, about half of his outings in 2019 came out of the bullpen. 
I don't think that's what we expected. We wanted to see Hauser ramp back up into being the pitcher he was in 2021 and see Aaron Ashby in that bullpen role. But this seems like it's gearing towards there, shifting him into that bullpen role. New back. I don't know if you want to speak on that. Yeah, I think that is where it's headed and where it might, where it should go. Um, if they're really serious about making the uh, this pitching staff the best it can be, I think that you keep Hauser, and this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, you keep Hauser and Ashby both in the bullpen for those extended run innings. And then in the playoffs, should they make it there and should they get to a series point, use both of them in like a bullpen start because like three to four fresh innings of Ashby and then three to four fresh innings of Hauser and close with like Devin or Box or whomever is really good because as we've seen, they have trouble going the long distances in their starts as of late. But um, I'd be pretty okay going with uh, Corbin, Woody, Freddie, Eric Lauer, and then Jason Alexander as your fifth starter. For, for just the way he's pitched to end the season and then bring Ashby when he's healthy and Hauser out of the bullpen. But I think that's what they're trending to. Adam, before you weigh in, I pulled the numbers. So in the last time where he did provide significant relief work, uh, obviously this predates you and I, Adam, watching every moment of Milwaukee Brewers baseball like we do now. 30 and two-thirds. In 2019, 30 and two-thirds <laughs> innings pitch, uh, 147 ERA out of the pen. Opponent's That's batting average. Yes, opponent's batting average of 180, opponent's OBP of 254, slug 270. So this is something that, you know, me coming into – the Brewers season through fresh eyes, only having seen Eric or Adrian Hauser, excuse me, as a starter. My mindset was he's a ground ball pitcher in relief. His stuff's not going to play up. It makes more sense to have him as a starter. I guess there is some evidence in the past that he can be an effective reliever. Not something I really saw coming and I st still have mixed feelings about it. And I'm not sure how I feel, but your logic there, Numak is sound in that, at the moment, the Brewers are looking to get outs at the end of baseball games in any way possible. And if Ashby and Hauser help them accomplish that better than they have been lately, it's something that needs to be at least discussed. Very, very sound logic. Like the idea quite a lot. My one thing I will say is Hauser is not back in the bullpen in this game and potentially going forward by design. If he no. doesn't essentially get like ripped limb from limb from the pack of lions that is Los Angeles Dodgers and that start, he's starting like he has been. And honestly, the Brewers could kind of do with a, a fifth starter right now. Uh, but there is no guarantee that Jason Alexander's next start will look like this one, which, you know, makes it particularly painful when you let that one get away from you. But that's the one thing that I think my my note of caution would be. I we're going to need to see some more like quite a bit more of this before it feels like, okay, well, Hauser's where he needs to be uh, fitness wise, confidence, just comfort being back from injury. And the best version of Hauser is performing in the bullpen or the best version of Hauser is ready to start, whatever it might be. It feels like right now he's there because they don't actually trust that he's got his best stuff in any way and they can't put him out to start. So 
encouraging to see him get through two innings like this. Because even, I mean, it was something we touched on, occasional drop-ins. Uh, his performance in Nashville in shorter outings was not all that inspiring. And I know for a guy like that, it is a rehab assignment and his focus is generally on getting your comfort back, getting your feel back. But it was a little discouraging. And to then see his first start back with the Brewers play out the way it did, it's it's something to watch. I would love him to find it, and I think that's a really good plan if he does. But I don't think the Brewers believe that he is back with even anything close to his best stuff yet. I think what we're more accurately in for and what they're going to do is as soon as Ashby's back, Nashville or Alexander's back to Nashville or becomes the 14th man on the pitching staff as rosters expand, but we'll get to that in a moment because I have my own predictions about how that will go. And that it really seems like Greg and the organization, based on everything they've said, are dead set on continuing to get Aaron Ashby starts. So I imagine that's where things will go. Uh, yeah. They, pay, so, they paid him money, real money, not apples, <laughs> not anything else. So I think it's safe to say he's going to start. And uh, that's, that's tough for Adrian Hauser. Uh, that's tough for Eric Lauer to some extent too. I think read between the lines of some of Lauer's recent comments about, you know, guys know that eventually the history of the organization tells you not everyone's going to get paid. They've seen someone a little bit younger get paid and kind of jump the queue somewhat. And I, I think that's, there's got to be some just kind of, you want to be here, you want to contribute well you're gonna have to find new ways to do that because we've paid this guy and we don't pay very many people i really wish that the mindset that it seems the brewers have that since they paid him the extension that he has to start wasn't the mindset they have i wish the mindset they have would be making ashby develop as the best pitcher he can be and not making him start because they paid him like, I still think that his best stuff is coming out of the bullpen for this season. 100%. Let him work let him work on his other pitches in the offseason and have him start next year as a starting pitcher. But I think that this season, he still should be coming out of the bullpen. And it's, I don't want to say frustrating that they're making him start. I should say make, like they're putting a gun to his head to tell him to go on the mound and start pitching inning number one. But I, th- I think that like Jason Alexander, for all the bumps in the road he's had, has had had good starts, and you get more out of Ashby in the bullpen than a starter, and you can still develop Jason Alexander into something that maybe, knock on wood, is a trade piece for next year that some team would willingly take back for a bat or something of use rather than keeping him bouncing back and forth from AAA to the majors. Is it not more realistic that that ultimately ends up being like Adrian Hauser's fate as the trade bait to get you a bat. Like it could uh, be. I, I think that that's possibly something we see more of soon, and maybe they're also trying to manage. Uh, how does he finish out a season? Where where is Adrian Hauser's stock going to be at by the time this is over? Right, it'll be interesting, just to say the least. Two of three against the Pirates finishes out a twelve and fifteen August. Before we look ahead to some September fun thoughts potentially until our dreams are crashed down uh, tomorrow or over the weekend. And also a look ahead to the schedule. We got to give out some, some master brewer points. And I think uh, we'll do that now. 
Uh, number one on the list, Hunter Renfro. Great series from him. Six for 11, two walks, a double, two runs, two RBI. Uh, five singles. So we think of him as the, the power guy. I think he leads the qualified hitters on the team in slugging percentage. But you know what? The man was just getting on base any way he knew how. Uh, Colton Wong, four for 10. Three walks, a double, a homer, two runs scored, two RBI. We've had a conversation a lot about what happens with Colton next year, whether or not they pick up his option or not, or pay the $2 million buyout. I think it's trending more and more likely that we get one more year of Colton Wong at second base as his defensive resurgence has happened and as he's been one of the more reliable hitters, especially against right-handed pitching on the team. And... I think more and more that should be the case, but that's a talk for an offseason podcast. Um, Keston Hira, four for 12, a double, the walk-off homer, three runs scored, three RBI. Garrett Mitchell, only one for five at the plate, but he had two walks, had the stolen base off the pickoff move, and his one home run was a big one. Game-tying, two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning. The Brewers do not win that game without Garrett Mitchell. Two so runs scored. Right now. Three RBI. Jason Alexander. Five innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts. Freddie Peralta, five innings pitch, two hits, one run, no walks, three strikeouts. And then a guy who has been quietly excellent for the last few weeks, and we haven't rewarded him for his his performance. And, and we want to now, Adam, this was a great late ad by you. Brent Suter, two innings pitch, two hits, no runs, a walk, two strikeouts, and just uh, the meme ability and the meme potential that will live on far beyond any of us are on this planet. So Brent Suter, <laughs> well done. Also, just worth noting on Suter, who has been very vocal about, you know, uh, collective bargaining and minor league player rights, things of that nature for quite some time, and has really been going out of his way as an advocate, as a leading voice. He's also the, the Brewers player rep generally and, from what I've read was quite important over the off season in terms of getting a season back on track. Um, very positive developments over the past few days. And I thought again, Brett Suter talked really, really well about that. Um, and just basically calling Manfred out on his bullshit characterizations of uh, seasonal workers. I think was what Manfred was going with for a lot of minor leaguers um, which Suter is like, yeah, I would have been a seasonal worker based on that characterization. And here I am all these years later with a successful major league career behind me. So good on Brent Suter on all fronts, really great performance um, on the mound, but also some things he's been working on for quite some time paying off off the field. A guy that really cares about the environment as well and combating uh, climate change. We stand a pro labor reliever and author. That's right. That's right. Andrew, uh, leader... you're go... go on. Sorry, leaderboard. I forgot. Yeah, the leaderboard after 129 games. Rowdy Telez with 20. Kristen Yelich with 16. Corbin Burns with 14. Willie Adamas, 13. Andrew McCutcheon, 11. Hunter Renfro, 10. Brandon Woodruff and Jace Peterson with 9. Colton Wong, Eric Lauer, Devin Williams, Luis Arias with 8. Keston Hira, Tyrone Taylor, Josh Hader, sad, with seven. Freddie Peralta with six. Aaron Ashby and Hobie Milner with five. Jason Alexander with four. Brad Boxberger, Trevor Gott, Jonathan Davis, Victor Caratini with three. Brent Suter, Peter Shreslecki, Matt Bush, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Hauser with two. Taylor Rogers, Yandel Gustave, Luke Barker with a single beer. And joining them on the leaderboard, Garrett Mitchell, who now has a single beer as well. First of many, I'm sure. First of many. 
Should should we be considering giving Josh Hader beers when he helps the Brewers? Still, <laughs> that feels mean. Um, it does feel mean. He also he, got the save today, so he did. Like if, if we been he did. I noticed that. But if we had been doing that all along since the trade, Rowdy could have some real competition up top. It's That's not funny. great. It's not great. Former, I don't like it really, for, but it's the stop trade. the bullying. Twenty twenty two. Listen, but you know. Listen. What I what I want to first of all here before we move on, um, I want to take Numac to task about taking us to task over the Master Brewer leaderboard. Mostly, I want to have this conversation on pod so that when he has an equivalent thing, we can come on talking to Tundra and be like, "Hey, man, what's going on here?" Um, in all seriousness, it's all good fun. Yeah. But yes, you were is. we were having a conversation in the Discord after the last episode. Um, you were not happy that Christian Yelch did not get two Master Brew points. It was right. something Andrew and I discussed the possibility of off air. What are your general thoughts on how things are going with the Master Brew leaderboard? You're not just a, a GSPN team member now. You're also you're a voice of the listeners. So <laughs> you know you need to represent them well here. Just get some stuff off your chest. What are what are your feelings on how this is progressing and how, as we continue to say, we're going to reevaluate a lot of stuff and see how it can evolve next season. But here you are. It's your chance. It's your moment in the spotlight to to bring about change on cruising for bruising. So right. what what on this front is uh is worth highlighting for you? So overarching, I love the Master Brewer leaderboard. I think it's really fun and on brand for obviously the brewers to hand out beers and do uh sort of gauge similar to how the Eurostep started with stocks, how the uh what players are doing so well um during the season. Where the rub comes in, this beef we have, Adam, is that seemingly it has to be a an all an all worldly performance, a record setting performance for someone to get two beers. Do you know how many times I walked around the campus UW Oshkosh two beers in hand, having done nothing of significance? A man can de- deserve to hold two beers, and I think Christian Yelich deserved that uh, last series. I'm not here to change your mind, just hear the voice of the opinion, but uh, let's eight for eight for 14, a walk, five RBIs and two home runs against the division rival. He was incredible. He was incredible. Listen, where I'd go with this is, okay, it's something we'll consider. Maybe the scale needs to be wide. Maybe two beers becomes something that's more attainable. Maybe it's three beers. That's like the incredible series. But what happens with this? Okay. Someone like Kesson Hura rockets up this leaderboard, possibly steals the show uh, where right now that wouldn't feel like, Oh, the worst thing. But I think if we're to take overall the course of the season consistency, Rowdy Telez is the current leader. That kind of feels right. Rowdy has been as consistent as anyone on the Brewers over the course of the year. Right. So if we get too flippant, too willing to hand out multiple beers, it gets very easy for guys who may not show up for four games, but then they they really, they make a point of it. They come in big and bold fashion and they lap people who are more consistent. I right. I agree with you, but these are the things where these things we're wrestling with. They're keeping Andrew awake at night as he tries to to work through exactly how we can we can fix this system, make it better going into next season. I think that's right. something definitely to like think about is that like it shouldn't be a one game 
uh, sample size for two beers, right? Like you should be, you have to perform over the course of the series. Like in Yelich last last series against the Cubs had a hit in each series. Obviously, in the two series or the two games they won, he did a lot better, and that's what kind of like propelled them to their wins. His first game or his first appearance in the series was okay. It was good. He had a hit and was fine, but that may be something to think about going uh, so, forward, having to perform across the entire series rather than somebody like Keston, who has a preponderance of showing up big in one game and not at all in another game. So I that would say, then mean a walk-off homer. Wonder. Grand yeah, slam, wonder. one beer, and then if a guy... I, um, I don't know. This gets very... I don't know. We need to, we need to workshop yeah. this. Uh, look, ahead, I Andrew. appreciate the ideas being brought to the table. <laughs> right now, so I think, and we'll have the time, potentially more time than we want. Uh, let's hope only this. November, November, like third through April first. <laughs> that's that's what I'm hoping, with every fiber of my heart. Uh, right now, a lot of it is vibes based. There are certain things that definitely get you a beer. That's series long consistency and clutchness those are the two things that get you a beer but then there's also the context of a particular series like like jason alexander had a lot of starts early in the season where it's like they really need someone to like have a good start right now and he goes five innings two runs and maybe if corbin burns did that we would not obviously because he's held to a higher standard standard but sometimes the context is matter maybe in the offseason we develop a degree of it that is, I don't want to say formulaic, but there is some degree of like criteria that have been drafted up, but also keeping that spontaneous in the moment vibesness, but adding a little more consistency. Overall, I think the board looks mostly indicative of who has played well for the Brewers this season. Maybe there are some guys that have too many, some guys that have too few. We'll sort that all out at a certain point. It might just be me like talking to myself while Adam is in the midst of just like a crazy Bucks run where they've won like 22 games in a row and you guys are doing post-game pods for every every win on the winning streak. Who knows? We hope we live in that reality, but we'll, we'll see where we end up. Right. To, Overall, to... love it. Great leaderboard. We appreciate that. You certainly don't have a gun to your head like like Aaron Ashby got at the pitch. I think. <laughs> um, That's right. Rosters are about to expand, and to set this up, a couple episodes, we call out. We asked. We asked for you, our listeners, to send a text. Text GSPN to three one zero three two to basically sign up to our our text service at the moment, where you get polls questions the opportunity to submit stuff for mailbags from time to time and the question we pose for you is what late season call-up could have the greatest impact for the brewers this is a question we asked before garrett mitchell came up uh conveniently nobody answered anything related to garrett mitchell so this is this is all perfect this is all still pretty fresh um i'm gonna run through these i'll run through them pretty quickly some people are having some fun so people are taking it very seriously. It's just the kind of mix you'd expect. Uh, the first one, which I think comes from someone who is possibly on this podcast right now, um, their answer to what late season call-up could have the greatest impact for the Brewers was Numac with the late season call-up at GSPN. So not you. You're that was not me. Like, I, 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 on, 
Seems like well, a Rohan move. It does seem like a Rohan that move. Actually, that's a good call. That's a, that's definitely Rohan. Um, I, I gotta double check to see if I did respond to the the call for action, but I'll let you know if I if I did. Well, you, you might hear your answer and right. No, honestly, no I I forget I forget if I did or not. <laughs> um, someone says unrealistic, but Churio would be most impactful. Realistically, Diaz and Frolic should be up. Uh, Diaz is that the catcher for the Shookers? Brent Diaz is that? Maybe they thought Ruiz, but I have no idea who that maybe, is. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was to be Ruiz. Maybe uh, it's if we, if we could trade for Edwin Diaz from the Mets and have his oh, awesome, oh, awesome, awesome walkout music. Yeah, that would be awesome. That, uh, but but let's, let's back up a second. The people of Wisconsin would not embrace that walkout song like they would in New York City. It would not have the same uh, same uh, effect. This podcast so, would embrace it. We yes, would, it would definitely embrace it. Uh, <laughs> we have a vote for Sal Frolic, which is not surprising. Uh, someone here really wants to twist a knife in. Lamette would be a nice call-up. I wonder how he's been doing since he got traded to the Brewers. I heard Rosenthal was good back in the day, but I haven't seen him lately. That one came from uh, Jay Komarowski. Someone suggests Pat Connaughton. I didn't, I'm just holding Pat's first pitch at AmFam that I saw against him because we hear a lot about Pat the pitcher and uh, not, his stuff was not convincing me for the first pitch so I need to see more from Pat Babe Ruth Jr. that seems like a good idea Estee Ruiz or Sal Frelick that was me uh, I just I just looked okay that was you Sal yep. Frelick again Terang and Terry but Ruiz is probably and needs to be the answer we need him to be an average offensive center fielder and that is the biggest impact and another vote for Sal Frolic. So Sal Frolic actually comes out comfortably on top, I think, is the, the player with the most votes. Um, that call for Ruiz, which you did that, but also someone saying, you know, we need him to be an above average or an average offensive center fielder. Maybe Garrett Mitchell could do some of that too, which is an interesting wrinkle to add to it. But yeah, thanks to everyone who uh, contributed, who sent a text. We'll... We'll make sure to have some more stuff that you could chime in with. But over to you, Andrew, for whatever way you want to take this conversation then on the roster expanding. Yeah, I've thought about this uh, a lot today. Um, And where I ended may not be the most exciting moment of this conversation. So the roster is expanding by two spots. You can carry 28 players on your roster capped at 14 pitchers. Right now the Brewers have 13 pitchers. I based on everything we've seen about just like your comment about pitchers not going the full six innings, they're going to add an extra arm to the bullpen. That seems certain. It seems like probably Jake Cousins or Luis Perdomo will be those first ads there. We'll see. Um, and then where they go with a position player, uh, there's been talk about. Terang, he would be interesting. A utility guy can play a lot of spots. Ruiz is the obvious choice. He's a right-handed hitter. Garrett Mitchell is a left-handed hitter. We know Craig Council loves to platoon players when he can. A center field platoon of Ruiz and Mitchell would excite fans immensely. Also, Mike Brasso might be returning from the IL soon. He uh, obviously paved a way for Jace Peterson to return from the IL to be on the active roster when he went down. And is this a situation where it just ends up being we get one reliever and we get Mike Brasso back from from the IL? Ugh. 
that's where I'm seeing the most likely scenario. Uh, I would prefer if it were up to me, it would be Ruiz and see what he can bring off the bench and in tandem with Mitchell in center field. But when I saw the tweets from McAlvey about Brasso being on his way back, that's kind of where my brain steered. I mean, the, the, if he's close, he's got to be back. Like his, he's having a really good season, and even just as a pinch hitting option, that could become a lot more important um, in a lot of these games. And given the Brewers' tendency to not score a lot of runs and find themselves in close games where they need to make something happen, there could be plenty of opportunities for Mike Brasso to step up in that way. Uh, another bullpen arm makes sense. I don't know though. It feels like some other more radical stuff might need to happen. If you're well, if you're, go- if you're going that route, if it's like Jake Cousins and Mike Brasso, I I think you've got to find a way to get someone else up, and maybe that leads to some tougher decisions, uncomfortable decisions. I don't even know where I'd go. Where I'm like, I feel great about that, but I'm not paid to make the ballsy decisions like that. So it's up to the Brewers to do that, and then me feel like, okay, let's see how this goes. Yeah, I think I, uh, Numox spoke this but... into existence, but there's the option that we saw this. This is spicy. All, make makes all of this happen. I think was your proposal. So go ahead. I'm forgetting my take. You caught me off guard here. Oh, I will reintroduce it to you. I believe I it was remember you, it too. Uh, it was him. <laughs> uh, that you know Brasso's coming back, so that's an inevitability. We like what he does against lefties and his pitch hitting. Garrett Mitchell looks great in center field. He does. Ruiz is a center fielder. I think your your take was Tyrone Taylor makes room for Ruiz. I think I'd be okay with that. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I've had a week, so I probably could have said those words. I'll 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 back up those words. That I'd want to see. I'm sort of playing off what Adam said. I want something like rash. I want something exotic to try and put life into this team. And as much as I and the rest of the Brewers fan base wants Tyrone Taylor to succeed and wants to him to be the player we thought that was going to replace Lorenzo Kane. He's not. He's streaky and as good as he is at pinch hitting and coming through in the clutch in those spots, that's not really a useful tool unless your name is I'm pretty sure Jock Peterson. So it's I think I'd rather send Tyrone down for the season and then bring up unknowns to know what we have going into next year rather than play this game in spring training. I want to apologize for putting words in your mouth, though, because the proposal was from our friend Kelp. Okay. Oh, wasn't that Numak? But you did, you did respond. That is hilarious that you actually went along with it. I support you, it. I'm with you, it. Yeah, you responded immediately. Shout I like out to that. Kelp. Okay, so, I mean, that's sweet. Shout out to Kelp, who went to the game that you were at as well via a Twitter giveaway from Brewers Nation. So that's right. shout out to our buddy there. And that was actually... His proposal, um, <laughs> and then in his proposal, this also involved uh, Tarang being caught up as well because it was before uh, I mentioned that Mike Brasso uh, is due back soon. So I, I think Tarang is worth mentioning. Just uh, when it comes to 
what we're going to learn, and I don't know if I want to learn too much about this, is where the Brewers are at organizationally in terms of what is their vision? What is their vision for the remainder of the season and going forward? And this is kind of central to all of the conversations we've had are going to keep having about when might this prospect come up? When might this prospect come up? When might this prospect come up? And there are lots of guys we're going to keep talking about in that regard for the next year to two years with the way things are set up. But Tarang is one that I think would have almost been a lock if Colton Wong hadn't essentially gone on a tear recently. They've obviously tried to play him a little bit at seconds, and I don't know to what extent that's working. It just feels like something that is the security if you're in a place that you might have been for the first half of the season when Colton didn't really have it at all. And before his even his uptick, his uptick in his defense after just calling himself out. Um and the those interesting comments we talked about before. Like I, I think that's the spot where you're like, well, maybe there's a better option than him right now. And we also need to get ready for the decision we're gonna make in the offseason. That isn't quite the case, but I don't think we should completely rule out that the Brewers might see things that way either. Like, Tarang is someone who the journey to this point feels a little bit more gradual and controlled in the kind of way that the Brewers would like, something that is more akin to Garrett Mitchell, where I wouldn't be entirely shocked if we're like, yeah, Ruiz, Ruiz, and they're like, no, Ruiz isn't in our organization long enough for us to feel this is the moment just yet. I don't think that would be wise, but they may think it's Bryce Rang time. And there's also another position that they've got things to work out there too. So to be clear, I'd be perfectly happy. Like that's again, exciting. If Bryce Terang comes up, that gives us something new. Um, but God, I, the one thing I, I wonder, Andrew, is if, if your prediction for this is uh, Jake Cousins and Mike Brasso, if we lock that in as your official prediction, is this going to be like when you predicted no moves at the trade deadline? Uh, or just a, they were just going to get one reliever. What a quaint idea. You're like, they'll pick up a reliever. Uh, I hope it speaks into existence a flurry of moves. That would be fantastic. So I'm going to lock it in for the good of Brewers fans and baseball at large. Lock it in, um, Jake Cousins, Mike Brasso. Before we wrap up or get on to the next talking point, I want to ask you something, Andrew, as the resident like diehard minor league knower of baseball. How does the uh, the Rule 5 draft play into some of the decisions the Brewers have had to make with possible September call-ups? Because like, so I, I'm not... Not an expert on this by any means, but I know once that someone reaches, I think, a certain level of minor league service time, they right. become Rule 5 eligible. And to protect them, you put them on your 40-man. Um, and if somebody picks them, they have to be on their active roster for a certain amount of time in the gotcha. next next regular season. Can so you someone reset that? Because I, I looked it up, and it's five years. Like, if yeah. you draft a player at 18... They have to be on your roster, or have, they have to have played in the MLB or, or yeah, within yeah. the five years in the majors, or in like in their five year journey, they have to have been played in the majors at some point. Do you think that plays a role in them calling up Bryce Terang? Because like he was drafted in 2018, so he's in the fourth of his fifth year of like that so rule five if he, stipulation. So 
so he will have ha- had to be on the 40 man by this offseason and play in a major league game by next year. Is that what it is? I believe so. It's like, I think so anybody that knows next rule year. five, rule five better than me in the discord respond to this, but it's my, to my knowledge, what they need to do to avoid making him rule five eligible is he needs to be on the 40 man by the winter, like by the rule five draft over the offseason. That's gotcha. to my understanding. I don't think they necessarily need to call him up now for that to be the case but it would be a factor of in oh well we're gonna have to do this in december anyway or whatever it was so if if that that would definitely be part of the calculus over someone like freelick or weimer or somebody like that yeah um but i don't know i just don't with the way colton wong has responded lately i don't see them viewing it as an area of need right now and I'm going to keep saying this because I want it to be wrong. And I want to see both Bryce Terang and Ruiz on this roster in September. Perfect. Yeah. I was just, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that. I was just checking because I had talked to somebody recently when uh, Mitchell was called up and like, that's why I did it for Mitchell. But Terang is closer to that deadline than Mitchell is. And we know that these types of things in roster decisions definitely factor into the brewers calculus sure do and sometimes they mess them up <laughs> they're number number one on the list and yeah the, did we did we do we, we just skipped past someone mentioning the nelson lamette and uh yeah let's not have any equivalent situations like that yeah. when it comes to managing our prospects all right i think that's it yeah any any final thoughts numac how did it feel being on this side of this podcast Never, never meet your idols situation, right? No, I loved meeting my idols. It was a, a fantastic time. I think you guys have done a great job this season in your inaugural season of oozing for a bruising. I've sang your praises in, in the Discord before, but the uh, the way you guys, uh, I don't want to say schedule, it's not the right word. Lay it, like how you review the games is very easy to listen to and makes it nice for when I do decide to check out for a game or two out of the 162 and you guys both do great job. So thank you for having me and keep up the good work. Thanks for joining. Looking forward to uh, returning the favor in a listener way and you keeping me abreast of you're everything. Gonna, you're going to be on talking to Tundra. I don't know uh-huh. what you're doing here. You, you're right up there in the ranks in terms of football knowledge. And I don't, you think you're going to dip out of this. You're like, oh, I'm not a Wisconsinite. You're going to be watching Packers because you watch all sports, like the sicko you are, and you're going to be <laughs> on Talking to Thunder regularly. I, the, my cable company did try to do a big mea culpa about some outages they had during my work day. I work from home, and they were like, how can we make it up to you? And I said, Sunday ticket for free, and they did it. So I'm going to be watching a lot of Packers. There you wow. Go. About that. Good for you. But for what it's I, worth, I, the... Uh... The uh, Packers do not play the Panthers this season. They play them not two seasons from now. And that's perfect because it's ideal. Exactly. What are the Packers? But my latest side piece. So here we go. (laughs) Glad to be a side piece. They're just ready and waiting for someone on the Panthers to disappoint you. Although the Packers have got, well, look, we'll move on. We won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, New Mike's got a pod coming up on all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, all four, right, let's four with four with the Diamondbacks. You can look at the picket pitching matchups on ESPN or the MLB app. <laughs> <laughs> Diamondbacks are 
on a roll right now. They may have won or lost against the Phillies by the time you hear this, but uh, that's a tougher series than it looks like it would be, and that's not they ideal did. right now for the Brewers. Didn't they bring up their like top guy? Corbin Carroll, yes. Yeah, and he's like, good, good. We'll find Allegedly. out. We'll get a we'll get a proper Allegedly. look at him. Uh, before we go, two two and a half back of the Padres. That game's over. Still waiting. Phillies, Diamondbacks, and Cardinals, Reds to end. So when you're listening to this, you'll know uh, where they are. But that's why we did not do a full standings watch segment. All right. Until the next time. Thanks again to all of you for listening. First and foremost, go subscribe to Talk of the Tundra. Green Bay Packers season is almost here. New Mac's going to have you covered on all things Packers. I will be on there when real games happen because I can talk about games much better than I can talk about people who are getting cut from the roster who I do not know about. So once it gets to regular season, I'll be on there. Andrew is going to be on there in spite of all of his protests. And we're all going to have a lot of fun. So talk of the Tundra wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, Packers GSPN on Twitter, and you are at Numac is known, right? That's your Twitter handle, Numac? That is right. N-U-M-A-C is known. There you if go. you go back and listen to the uh, intro episode, you can find out the lore behind my mononym. So. Which is baseball team. So I recommend you do that. Very similar to origin stories of people like Prince, Cher, Pink, Madonna, just like one named people are always better. Birds of a feather. Yes, exactly. Very similar. You should also subscribe to (laughs) Cruising for a Bruising, this podcast, wherever you get your pods. If you're not already a regular listener, make sure to do that. And you will never miss an episode, particularly as we work our way through the ups and downs of the final stretch of this MLB season. All of your other Wisconsin sports needs in a pro sense are covered too. Milwaukee Bucks, not too far away now for the NBA season. Eurostep Podcast Network on that feed. You'll get the Eurostep with Ty and Ron. You'll get Win and Six with myself and Jordan. We cover all things books. And also, if you just love listening to Andrew and I, which is honestly an unsettling thing for me to just imagine there's someone out there being like, God, I just need more of these two guys talking. Luckily for you, we, we do it all the time. We never stop. So make time for this. And the other new addition to the GSPN family, that is our pop culture and other things feed on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Uh, Andrew and my movie podcast, Captured in Celluloid, it'll be living there once a week, plus a whole grab bag of all kinds of things. We have a Lord of the Rings episode that is going up on Friday to coincide with the, the drop for the new series. We'll be talking about the first two episodes of that and the first three episodes of House of the Dragon over there next week. And there's already a whole library of movie conversations Andrew and I have had over the years to listen to. And we're going to get everyone else on there to talk about all sorts of stuff. Numac's going to be on there soon. I don't know what he's going to be on there for, but we're going to make sure he's on there. So that's everything. GSPN.info for any more details. You want to get in the Discord, support us with merch, whatever it is, you get it there. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Numac. Thank you guys for uh, having me up. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, fellas.